So my name's Paul. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife Jen and I, have been attending for about a year now, and we've just been really blessed by the community here. And we um, just come to really love you guys and feel your love. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, Pastor Tom had asked uh, if I would like to do a message reflection, and um, something, as you just said, you know, something that resonated with me from one of the past sermons, and going back, I think it was two weeks ago, um, Pastor Tom preached a sermon um, talking about Jesus as the, the perfect king, and in there he talked about Jesus as the perfect solution to humanity's problem uh, as the king, and that's just something I've actually been thinking a lot about um, even over the last couple of years, but uh, this week as I was reflecting on that and thinking through that, um, I was kind of led to a passage in Romans uh, chapter 5, um, and I'm just going to start by reading that, uh, just verses 17 through 19, and then kind of reflect on that a little bit um, and leave us with that. So uh, I think it, yeah, good, it's up on the screen. Uh, so it says, for if... By the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. Um, and something that just stuck out was just how clearly this, just, this passage just shows the problem, gives the solution. And then the thing that struck me uh, was the hope uh, that I think it gives and something that I think I've missed for a while, but um, just starting to, to hold on to that hope. So if you, if you look at it, I think um, something I reflect on a, a lot is the first few chapters of the Bible, uh, Genesis 1 through 3, and how it really just sets the stage and really just gives us our understanding of life. Um, but in there, just getting this understanding that hum humanity was made to rule uh, with God over this world. Um, in Genesis 1.28, it says God blessed them, right? And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. And before that, he says, let us make man in our image. So we actually are like God. Um, and that's what, you know, we were created to do. And the thing I think I've realized in that story as it progresses is that um, the wisdom and the authority uh, to rule over this world uh, is actually established as we submit to God's rule. Um, I think that's the whole idea of being an image bearer, being like God. And then in the story, enter Satan, the ancient serpent, um, who's already rebelled against God's rule in heaven. Um, he comes to tempt our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? And this is the way he tempts them, is, and this is the way I think God's rule works, right? God establishes the boundaries, and so in the story, he says to them, you know, you can eat of any tree, but of this one tree, don't eat, right? So God establishes those boundaries. That's his rule being established. Um, and so when Satan comes to tempt them, he comes to tempt them by going past the boundary. And so in the verses in Romans, it says, uh, the trespass of one man, 
right? So I think we've all seen um, a no trespassing sign. So what does that mean when it says no trespassing? It says don't, don't go there, right? And so um, God told them by setting up that boundary, he said, um, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die, right? And so in the, in the passage in Romans, it says, by the one man's trespass, death reigns. Um, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, the sting of death is sin, right? What gives death its power is sin. And so in verse 19 in Romans 5, it says, through the one man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience, we actually become sinners, right? And literally, we become sinners. We're we're bent now to rebel against God's rule. We're selfish and proud, and it permeates everything, right? And that's the problem. And I can testify to that. Just yesterday, I was hiking with my family, and uh, it was hot, obviously, and hiking with little kids can be frustrating, but I slipped and I fell, and I'm clearly fine. But as I was getting up, I grabbed a rock, and I just threw it in the woods. And, so, and I looked back at my family, and they looking at me like, and, and my daughter Rosie's like, Daddy, why'd you throw that rock? And it's like, because Daddy's a sinner. He lacks self-control. Um, and so where do I go with that, right? What's my hope? What is my, uh, what's the solution to that? And so I think in, in this passage in Romans 5, you know, it contrasts Adam and, and Jesus. And the whole idea is that Jesus' perfect obedience to the rule of God, right, in his life and his death it establishes righteousness and it brings life, right? If the consequence, the condemnation for Adam's trespass is death, Christ's obedience and his righteousness bring life and it says justification, right? That Christ's perfect righteousness is credited to us. And um, because I'm just weird and the way I'm wired, I just gnaw on things. And so I think it's kind of like this. Um, God's rule is established by his word. Right with Adam, he says to Adam, you know, you can eat of every tree, but don't eat of this one. Um, and then as the story goes on, God gives his law to, to the nation of Israel. And when, when Jesus shows up and he's teaching and he's preaching about that, he basically boils it down um, to a couple of things. And really at the heart of God's word is the law of love, right? Laying down oneself. And... Um, Jesus preached and he taught that the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of this world, which is the kingdom of Satan, right? It's upside down. The first shall be last. The poor in spirit, those that depend upon God, possess the kingdom, right? The meek, we talked about that a couple, I think it was about a month ago, right? Controlled strength. The meek shall inherit the earth. And then Jesus like actually does this. He exemplifies this by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and it's for our sake. He lays down his life for sinners. And I think that's Paul's whole argument in Philippians 2. He says he considers others as more important than himself. And then positionally before God, we're considered righteous. Um, in verse 18 in Romans 5, it says, one righteous act leads to justification, right? We actually receive Christ's righteousness, and that's the solution. But, and here comes the hope. Um, and this is something, I, if I can be honest, I think I, I've missed for a large part of my, my Christian life. Kind of the point of our salvation, the point of Christ's, you know, substitution for us and getting his righteousness is just like with Adam, where we become sinners, right? And that 
permeates everything. Through Christ's obedience and through what he accomplishes, we literally become righteous. Um, it says in verse 17, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So humanity, you and me, we're set free to reign, and that's a regal language, in life and righteousness. And this is what we were always intended to do. Um, and that all starts now. When we put our trust in Christ, <laughs> he changes us. And he begins to progressively, and the word is sanctify us, right? Where we become more like him. Um, and we were talking about this at our men's group last time we met. And... Uh, Bill Stratton and I were talking, and it says, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, like, in the, in the moment kind of can feel more subtle. Sometimes we think of it as just kind of these dramatic things, but um, we're talking about it as the subtleness. And Patrick Finnegan, who was there, he said, yeah, you know, I, that resonates with me. You know, it's subtle. And he said something that really struck me, though. He says, but if I look at it over, like, the last 10 years of my life, I look back, it really isn't that subtle you know, and he sees the change. And I think that just really stuck with me because it was like, oh man, yeah, I, uh, when I look at it in the moment, it doesn't, I don't, can be clouded by a lot of things, but if I look back over it, you just see the Lord's work. Um, and that's what he does right now. Um, and I'll kind of wrap up with this. One other thing in, in that same sermon that Pastor Tom talked about, you know, he says, as we follow Jesus as our king, um, our hearts begin to be stirred, going back to that law of love um, for the, the marginalized, for the least and the last. Um, and if you look at those attributes in the uh, Beatitudes, you know, poor in spirit, meekness, being peacemakers, um, I think sometimes it can be think like, oh, Jesus is coming, uh, is who he's looking for, right? Like, and I think the idea is this. It's not those attributes that get you into the kingdom, right? It's Christ and his righteousness that does that. Uh, but those attributes, that heart of love, right, is the thing that fits us for the kingdom. Because just like that verse says in, in uh, chapter 17, or in verse 17, you know, we reign in life and righteousness, and um, just like God's rule is one of humility and selflessness, that's what we're fitted to do and be like God. And so little by little, we become like him here and now. Um, and I'll wrap up finally with this, but uh, there's this future hope I think this verse gives us, that there's a day coming um, when Jesus returns, he makes all things new, and what we have positionally now the righteousness of Christ, will actually become ours fully and perfectly and will reign in life and righteousness. And um, I didn't know we were going to sing that song today, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, but there's a, uh, one verse that we don't typically sing or I, have, I don't hear sung often, but the beginning of it, it just says, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, we shall see his lovely face. Clothed then in blood-washed linen, oh, we'll sing his sovereign grace. And that's our hope, Christ's righteousness. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you uh, for Christ. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness to us, your mercy, 
your grace, uh, that you give us the free gift of Christ's righteousness. Um, Lord, you are the king, and you rule, and we confess that. And we just thank you that um, you didn't just leave us in our sin, but you've come to uh, make us new. And we just ask that you continue to do that in our lives, and we just look forward to the day when um, all things will be new, and we live in that hope. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Um, just real quick before you sit down, can I just see your uh, mic pack real quick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, everybody, just going to turn that off, and then we're just going to have a time of discussion. Thanks. There we go. Sorry about that. Forgot, forgot that that happened. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Um. <clears throat> wow. Um. <laughs> that static always reminds me of like the when you're flipping through channels um, and you get to like that station that you don't have and then <laughs> and it's just that static <sighs> anyway um, yeah and I actually hadn't read through what Paul um, had planned for or prepared for this morning when I chose songs so um, as he's speaking and I'm like, you know, listening to him, I'm just like, wow, how did that happen? I wonder. Um, but it's just always fun to see how the Holy Spirit works through that way that we've, we've worshiped God and we've kind of reminded ourselves of it. And then we hear great reflection and, and word on that. So, um, so we have uh, a time of discussion um, and we have uh, Gail, uh, who's going to run a mic for us. So um, feel free to share um, your thoughts, but it's a time for us to lean in um, and fellowship together and really share um, your experiences, share your thoughts with each other. Um, and it's part of our, um, what we love to do here is leaning in uh, to community. Um, so this allows us to do that. So um, one of our first uh, questions is, uh, what general reactions do you have um, to that message reflection? Um, Think about anything that jumps out at you regarding um, what Paul just shared regarding Jesus being king of kings. Does anything jump out at anybody? And you can feel free to also share your comments online. I will also be monitoring that as well. Only for the online folks. If you're here, you can, you can respond in, live and in person. Any thoughts, anybody? I think one of the, the biggest things is like, yeah, I think when I was younger, I used to think, oh, I've become a Christian and I'm going to be perfect now. God's righteousness is placed on me and I'm going to live a righteous life for the rest of my life and never sin again. <laughs> Did anybody else feel that way? <laughs> um, but I think that's, you know, it's that slow working and transforming uh, in our lives and just like Paul and I think Pat had mentioned, um, when you look back on your life and you see where God has taken you and how he's transformed you and changed you through the years, um, it's really amazing. Um, nice. Um, 
Thoughts? Yay. So this is a little hard because it's consider others more important than yourself, but I think my whole life I've been doing that to my own detriment. And so it's like, well, where do we go from there? Because that's not healthy. Because logically, if God died for everyone on the cross is Jesus, and I'm supposed to be included in that, then I'm supposed to care for myself too. So where's that balance? It's a good question. For someone much wiser than myself. <laughs> but I think you bring up a great point, uh, Amanda. Um, thank you for sharing that. Because um, I think similarly, like I'm always I'm trying to think about others, think about others um, to the point where sometimes I... I think of myself as less than others, right? Or less deserving of rest or less deserving of someone's um, love and affection or anything, um, you know, to, again, like you said, to your own detriment. And it's like, um, it can be really tough. Um, and so it's learning to try and find that balance of, no, Jesus loves me just as he loves everybody else. Um, and so remembering to, um, to have those boundaries. So that's great. Yep. Thanks, Amanda. I'm going to, oh, 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 or Gail. I'm raising my own hand. Yep. <laughs> um, but I think about that a lot too, Amanda. I think that's a great question. And I think that's, you know, when we think about crossroads and we think about look, looking up, leaning in and reaching out, it's really making sure that they're all in balance, right? That you have your own refreshing and renewing time with looking up with Jesus too and you know we're commanded to have a Sabbath and rest and you know it is um, kind of one of those things that's I'm still figuring it out too <laughs> how to um, put others first and um, you know to care for my own soul at the same time and I'm and somebody looking out at the crowd correct me on Philippians but it does say you know um, look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others, right? You're, it's a, it's a, right? Somebody, yeah, thank you for nodding. And <laughs> so anyway, those were just a couple thoughts that jumped out at me, but um, completely relate to the, the struggle there to do both. In Romans 7, the Apostle Paul says that the things he doesn't want to do, he does things he does want to do, he doesn't do. We just sang, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We have within us a civil war that's going on every day. There's, there's this desire for us to love God, to walk in righteousness, to allow him to reign in our heart, and yet we realize there's a struggle there. And what I've you know, if you look back in your life, say, man, like 10 years ago, I was a real jerk. And then if you think of 10 years from now, you look back to today and say, you know, I was a real jerk that day too. <laughs> I think we have to come to terms that we're all jerky our entire life. And yeah, we want to get over that jerkiness, but it's God's amazing love that's always there. He knows everything about us, and he loves us with this incredible reckless love that just it when you realize God's love 
and you focus on that rather than your jerkiness, that's where the victory is. Yeah. Amen. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, we have some thoughts from online. Um, Stacy shared um, when Paul mentioned being like Jesus, considering others better than yourselves. Um, she never thought how Jesus um, held us as more important than himself. Um, and the Roshanskis uh, said, what I've been thinking about recently is how similar, similar to what Paul said about the Holy Spirit is less subtle on the grand scale over our lives, even, even when it feels subtle in the moment. Um, this sermon series has been um, the same for looking at the Bible. Um, some of the little stories are weird or confusing or morally vague, but when we see them in the whole arc of Scripture, we can see God's working in the little things a little more clearly. Um, and Stacy also said uh, that she misses Gail, and also <laughs> that maybe we can... <laughs> I thought that was nice, so I included that in. Um, maybe we can allow God to care for us more, to remind us of how much he loves us. Um, yeah, and I think that's so, I think all of that is just, uh, it is amazing. And it, I think it's that, like you mentioned, that civil war, that internal kind of tension that we have to live through every single day. Um, and sometimes it gets easier, and sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes we pick up that rock and throw it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, too, like, similarly, again, when I was younger, I thought, oh, like, I'm just going to be washed and made clean, and there's just going to be that one righteous person inside of me um, and nothing else. Um, but then as you grow older, you realize, yeah, there is, the flesh is still there, always trying to take back control. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing all those thoughts. Um, as we kind of, like, move on, um, one question that Tom wanted to ask all of us is um, who or what sits on or fights to sit on the throne of our lives? Um, we can take some time to think about that one. That one's a little heavy but who or what sits on or fights to sit on the throne of your life? Besides you, Besides you yep, yeah. And you feel free to share. So I have a, a thought, kind of, I was just thinking about something in regards to the previous questions, so I think this is related. Um, but on a quick note, I think you know, we can talk about sitting on the throne of our life, but I think, biblically speaking, the reality is that none of us ever actually sits on the throne of our life. Like, either Jesus does, or we are ruled by our desires, by sin, by the devil, whatever you want to, um, however you want to look at it, like, we are not made to sit on the throne of our life. And so, I think what, you know, kind of like when Satan tempted Jesus and said, hey, if you just bow down before me, I will put you on the throne. I think that's what he does to us. He tricks us into thinking that by us following our own, you know, what we want, what we need, or everything we want, when we want to rule over our life, it's he's tricking us into thinking that we're in charge when we're really not. And kind of on the note of, of 
Jesus giving himself up and 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 seek and us seeking authority and power, there's a, a moment in in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus confronts his disciples because they're all like arguing about who's going to be sitting on Jesus's right hand and who's going to be in charge and who's going to be greatest. And he says that, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wants to be greatest among you shall be your slave, just as the son of man, that's Jesus, did not come to, to uh, be served, but to serve. And I've been thinking about that because something that I often overlook, and I think that we often overlook in our Christian lives, is that Jesus is Lord, absolutely. Jesus absolutely defeated death. Jesus is going to rule in glory at the end of all things, absolutely. However, him washing feet, him serving, him you know, dying for us, although that is already accomplished, that that wasn't just a thing that he did. That's an attitude that he has. And so even though he's going to reign in glory, and even though he is victorious now, he is still the God who humbled himself to serve us and, and bring us to him. That is still a reality. And I, I don't know how that's going to look in like, you know, eternally what that's going to look like, but we need to remember that you know, when we, when we try and model Jesus and serve others, that's not just us doing something he did one time. That's us doing, that's us living out what the Holy Spirit is bringing in us because that's who God continues to be. Hmm. Wow. Some great thoughts. Got some wise people in this room. <laughs> I love that, though. I love that, like you mentioned, it, it's not just something that he did, but it was his attitude. And that's something that he was constant, not just a one-time moment thing, but that's even now, that's his heart for us. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, David, because I don't think I made that super clear. And that was kind of the thing that really struck me about those verses where it says, you will reign in life through his righteousness. It's like that idea of like, what does that look like in the future? You know, like, what does that look like in the glory? What does that look like in the new heavens? Because, like, we're made to rule with God, right? Like, that's what, and, and like, it, it's, like, God's purpose isn't thwarted. Like, this is, and, but it's exactly that. That's the thing that has really struck me is, like, we're going to be those people who are humble and selfless. And that is, like, what the ruling actually looks like in a way that, like, I think the, the words dominion and subdue there in Genesis, like, they have these connotations for us because we've seen really bad examples of it because they're, you know, uh, influenced through sin. But, like, what God intended is something exactly what Jesus is like. It's the true king, you know, in his selflessness, in his humility, um, and his righteousness. Um, and so I'm really glad you shared that. So thanks for sharing that, David. Um, and as we wrap up, um, one of the last questions that Pastor Tom, uh, prepared for us this morning is, as we've talked about Jesus being on the throne and keeping him on the throne, um, I think a good question is how do we keep Jesus on, uh, on his throne and on the throne of our lives? Um, if there's anything that's helped you over the years, um, keeping Jesus, you know, centered, um, 
keeping him on you know, the throne versus trading it for um, something else. Um, any helpful thoughts? I think the number one battle that I fight is stillness. There's so many distractions. There's so many. I thought I'd retire, and then I have a whole lot of free time. Forget that. <laughs> you have to intentionally create moments of silence if you're going to hear his voice. He will not speak above Netflix, your phone, the kids, whatever's out there. You have to be silent to hear his voice. Anybody else? A couple weeks ago, <clears throat> Tom had mentioned uh, an app, um, talking about phones. <laughs> but there's, a, there's an app called uh, Lectio 365, and um, Brittany and I have been using it since he mentioned it, just every morning uh, and every evening. Um, it's a, a guided prayer through Scripture. Um, and it just allows time to just sit in God's presence, to meditate on his word, and then to pray through that scripture. And it's been really helpful for us um, to kind of recenter in the beginning of our day and at the end of the day. Um, I love at the, the nighttime ones, it's just, God, I, I release everything from today that was stressful or <laughs> anxiety producing. I just release that to you, right? So it's kind of just the start and end of every day. And it, it's been super helpful just to recenter, refocus, um, and helping me to keep Jesus uh, on the throne in my heart. So, any last thoughts? I'll say one more. But <laughs> I think in a couple of years ago, we spent a lot of time at church talking about what stirs your affections for Jesus and thinking about that and how we're all made very differently and like working out for Tom that stirs his affections for Jesus that does not stir my affections for Jesus but um, I would say that a, a few years ago it might even be three I just added um, being outside for an extended period of st stillness like an hour an hour and a half and I think that that has really made a huge difference in my um, I don't know attachment relationship affection for Jesus and and I don't know, it's made a, made a big change for me, not just having my little, my morning routine, which is very helpful and important, but having some, setting aside some extended time to do something that brings me closer to Jesus. Thanks, Gail. Cool. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for sharing 